Today, I have an incredibly special guest, someone that's near and dear to my heart. The head, what would, Rod, would it be, what's the official title for you inside the Human Potential Institute? I suppose I should have asked that prior to this, but you know, I just know you as Rod, the guy that leans all the training yeah. inside of HPI, but what's your official title inside the Human Potential Institute? Uh, the official title is Head of Coaching Faculty. Head of Coaching Faculty. What a brilliant title, and I don't even know that that adequately describes the brilliance that I get to unpackage with you today on the show, and couldn't be more happy to have you here uh, virtually with me, right? So uh, I appreciate you, Rod. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity to come and share with you, and also just to connect as well. Absolutely. Well, we were having, right, I had to literally stop our pre-show conversation because we were, we were getting into things that... I feel like just have so much impact for you as you're listening right now. And one of those things that, that Rod was, was touching base on with me was the idea of being a change agent, right? Being someone that elicits change in the world. And I, you know, tongue in cheek, but somewhat seriously said, well, Rod, you know, if, I, if I'm a change agent for myself, right, am I really being a change agent? And Rod, you had some, you know, a really profound statement wrapped around that. Would you mind sharing that right now? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to because I, I, like you, I, I, we could have carried on that conversation and, and actually not ended up doing what we were really setting out to do today, which was to communicate to all of these fantastic people who love to connect with you, Ryan. So, yeah, the, I guess the simple answer was when we, when we create change in ourselves, when we, we work on ourselves, we improve ourselves, we are change agents in the world. We, we are actually shifting the world around us just simply by by virtue of the fact that we show up differently. Suddenly we start to be a different person. We, we communicate differently. We interact with other people around us differently. And they change. We, we, we can make profound impacts on the world around us simply by, okay, so simply by being friendly instead of disconnecting. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. Well, and... And Rod, as you, as you make mention of that, right, we're, I don't think it's any, any secret as you're listening, but Rod, your, um, your, your dialect is certainly maybe not from, you know, the Midwest. <laughs> I'm, I'm an Ohio guy, but there's, we're going to go down a path of, right, a little political interchange here and not, not to get, you know, too politically charged here, but you come with this whole different ideology based off of where you come from, where you've been, what you stand for. What does all that look like? You know, what, what, what makes Rod Rod in this moment? Wow, I, I, could, uh, I could really go on about that one. I, you're quite right. I, I, I like to laughingly uh, say that I do have a Southern accent. And actually, I live in the South. I, I live in uh, Southern Appalachia. I'm up, I live up in a mountain uh, with my wife. We chose to, well, she's been living here for some time, but I consciously chose we both together chose that we would stay around here because it's beautiful. I love to live in the country and I, um, something comes alive for me when I'm able to be in nature. Uh, but the Southern that I'm from is, uh, is Australia. So I was born in the, uh, out in Australia and uh, I don't know how deep you want to go into how the journey was that, that brought me here. Oh, I'm, I'm fascinated by it admittedly, right? Okay. I, I'm, a, right. I'm a student of life, right? I like to know all the pieces and parts like this is truly fascinating for me to know how okay. from southern australia you know yeah down under right for us americans how yeah, yeah. there to being in front of me right now it has to be a fascinating journey okay well yeah it is and i'll, I'll try and make it as uh, appropriate as possible and as uh, relatively concise as possible that uh i was a i was just a, like probably like a lot of us a young kid facing the world and and thinking you know what, what am i going to make of this what, what am i going to be in this world and I grew up in the east coast of Australia in a place called Brisbane. And uh, I went to a school, a very good, uh, I guess you would consider it a fairly privileged education and parents who were trying to set me up for a, a business career, but my heart felt there was something else going on for me in the world. And I was uh, very drawn to performing arts and to working in, in some area of performance. And I uh, happened to fall into uh, dance, and I went off and and went to the uh, Australian Ballet School, which is the National Academy of Classical Ballet in Australia, and was setting myself up for a career in that, which I, I then had. Uh, I was a, about twelve years a professional dancer. I, I 
Uh, I just had a pair of, pair of boots in some ways and traveled the world and I had a most incredible time. Um, and, and that period was very important to me in many ways and it fed into what I do now in, in life. Um, I uh, like, uh, let me just kind of give you a little further journey and then I'll, I'll make that more relevant. And uh, what happened was uh, like any elite athletic endeavor, the, the body is what tends to decide whether you continue at a, at a later point in your life. So that career is over pretty, pretty young. You can tend to perform later in life, but, but uh, you pay a, a greater toll generally with the body. Uh, and I transitioned at that point. I had a couple of different um, sort of mini careers, you might say. And one of those that I, I decided uh, at some point after a couple of years was that I, I should get serious. And so I decided to become an entrepreneur and I got some training and I set up a company. I was living in London at the time. And uh, the company did pretty well. We were, we were a design-based company. We, we uh, came into the, you know, we're getting national press. Uh, people were were uh, recognizing us and, and we seem to be doing okay in terms of uh, say business analytics. But there was a point after about seven or eight years and I, I just found myself going, what the hell am I doing? You know, this, this was, uh, I, how did I end up doing this? Because I actually didn't like what I was doing. You know, I kind of thought somehow I, I should be a businessman and I should, I should be doing uh, something a little more responsible with my life and setting myself up to be more secure. And yet my heart wasn't in it. And, and why it related to that first career of mine was I, I realized there was a missing component. And what, what I started doing was really working on myself, really um, try, I tried a lot of personal development stuff and I was doing this thing called coaching. I, I was being coached because I, I thought I, I can't figure this out myself. And, and I really need someone who's connected to me, but but walking alongside me can help me figure out why I'm doing what I'm doing. And more importantly, what is it that I really want to be involved in for the, for hopefully the rest of my life. And this kind of special source that seemed to be missing was the fact that there just wasn't any meaning in what I was doing for me. You know, there was all, all the kind of analytical stuff was right. You know, this is good. You're setting up a good business. You, and, and yet it just wasn't meaningful for me. And yet that first career was all meaning. I actually made, dancers make no money. You know, right. you don't, you, you, you're not setting yourself up for the rest of your life, unless you're some really huge star. But for most of us, it's all about, uh, it's all about the love of what you do and the sense of importance to, to oneself. So that really helped me recalibrate and to, to check in with, what was it that I really wanted to do? If, if this was what was going to be uh, the defining um, trajectory for me for the rest of my life, what's that going to be? And, uh, you know, I realized I really wanted to work with people, helping them find what was important to them, helping them connect with that, that and helping them get on a path that felt more meaningful for them. So that's a kind of general story. There's a lots of missing pieces in there, but you know, that's the basic picture. Well, I appreciate you sharing the basic picture. I mean, I find, I find it so fascinating how many of my clients, right, have walked, I've, I've been fortunate to walk hand in hand and side by side through different seasons of their lives. And it almost seems, you know, for me, Rod, it's, it's somewhere around 70% of the people that I work with then feel compelled to extend their hand, I'll say backwards and pull somebody else along with them just as, as maybe I've, I've helped them transition through a season of life. And it's, it's really such a, a beautiful and fascinating shift in, uh, to me, awareness, right? As, mm. as I have been coached, right? That's how it started with me as I, not dissimilar, right? I was, I had transitioned, had some success in business and then chased capital and chased money. And it, it was good until it was very bad and it got very bad very quickly, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, an lesson to learn, but one I got to learn nonetheless, and eventually went down that personal development route myself. And just yeah. as I had, I'll say, finally had the, the veil lifted from in front of my face, it just felt yeah. like, man, what, what can I do to help other people feel the way that I feel in this moment? What, what type of education and training and certifications, and how can I keep progressing instead of, I mean, certainly, I think from our life experience, we all have a certain amount of accreditation to help someone that's been in a comparable position. Right. But as 
as you become, for me, as I became more and more serious about this craft, right? I mean, this is a, this is not something that I take lightly in any capacity, right? You're, you're, you're helping people navigate some tumultuous waters from time to time. And, and that led me to really to, to you and Dr. Mark and being able to get into the human potential Institute, which to me, I'm a, incredible fan of with the, you know, the ICF accreditation, right? That International Coaching Federation is obtained here in the U.S. at least is, right, the, the, one of the foremost governing bodies. I don't know if there's a higher, in my opinion, accreditation that one that holds more weight, right? It, it opens up new doors and it, it to me, it separates, um, separate, I don't, I hate to say different calibers, right? But people that take this, if you, to me, when you take this craft seriously, I think it's our responsibility to have all the tools, as I laughingly say, in our toolbox. I might not need to get them out every day, but certainly to have all the, all the knowledge there to call upon. And that's, it, it's been so wonderful to go through what admittedly, you know, most you hop on something like a Udemy, right? And you, right. you get your personal development certification from some yeah. third party and it's great to open the door of, uh, you know, right. of awareness, but you know, it's something you learn at your own pace and you can get it done in maybe four weeks. And yeah. HPI is much, much different than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Paper in four weeks. This, is, this ends up being the wrong place for you to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Rod, I would love for you to share from your perspective, right? Kind of, I'll say the back end of the business, right? But I, I'm, yeah. I'm on both sides as not only a coach myself, but someone that's being coached and yeah, yeah. the brilliance of the systems and structure you guys have put in place to progress us forward as, as students. Um, I'd just love for you to unpackage it from your side. If you don't yeah, mind. yeah I'd, uh, I'd love to run. I, I really appreciate hearing a little bit about how you came into this, which is pretty similar. You know, it's very often the case that we hit a point in life where we start going, is this it? Is this how it's going to be? You know? um, so, yeah, the back end uh, of, of this as well is that uh, I realized that coaching was a, a really powerful tool. And, and, and so one of the key distinctions I guess I'd like to make at the front end of this is also that one of the common misapprehensions that people have about coaching is it's, it's like a sport coach where you go to someone and you say, what, do I, what should I do? And the coach gets, says, you should do this, go out and do it 10 times a day and I'm going to shout at you until you get it right. And, and that, that's great for some things like learning how to do track, for example, that, that, that can work. But this kind of coaching is different because it's it's what a, it's about what your heart is speaking about what you what's you know your internal environment is shouting for even when your mind is saying that doesn't really you know that's I should be you know setting my four hundred one k up or 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 something like that um, and and so what great coaches as you, you now know do is we we have a lot of really cool skills that that help people. Um, ask their own deep questions and find their own, you know, switch their own engine on. So that, because the, the problem with that other model is that the minute you take that kind of coach out, all the steam runs out, you know, like the gas is gone. And what we want to do is help the client find their own steam to get their own uh, engine running and so that they can, they can really carry on and, and do it for themselves. So, so there are these cool skills of coaching and they are the fundamentals of any good coaching. So anything that's ICF accredited should be teaching that conversational skill, shall we say, uh, around that, which is, which is just a, a really cool conscious uh, uh, discursive conversation which can help people unpick uh, what they want to do, how, how they're going to do it and, and when we're going to get it done by, all that kind of basic simple stuff. What uh, Mark and I, we've been working together for quite some time now, and we realized there was another level for this as well. And, and, and I wouldn't say we're the only coach training program that will do this, but, but, but there are other levels where we, we may be able to um, go a little deeper to really find out what's underneath the layers in, in ways that might seem, uh, say, to some people, even a little, a little fluffy or a little woo-woo, a little out there. So we were talking about skills of mindfulness, which, you know, that I, you know, I'm, I teach and we bring into the program. Uh, but there's other, other areas of um, speaking to what we might call our gut feelings. I don't mean having a direct conversation. Well, you may do, but, 
but there's a whole body of uh, research that's been going on, for in, particularly in cognitive science, around a, a piece of work that, that they collectively call embodied cognition or embodied intelligence. And this is something that we've been uh, directly bringing into the coach training program, exploring avenues and ways that we can educate people that work, that really work. And some of these are uh, bringing in ancient practices such as mindfulness, which you know, now suddenly science has played catch up with something that's maybe 2,600 years old. And uh, uh, contemplative neuroscience is, is kind of going, holy heck, you know, this stuff is amazing. You know, the brain changes, people have uh, incredible insights. And so we're expanding on that without, we've expanded on that with our offer, as you know, about how we work with what we call embodiment, working with the, the whole body, which in this field of cognitive science is, is talking about what they call the embodied mind. So that the mind isn't just this kind of piece of jello in between the ears, but there's a whole process in, in, that's bound into our whole body and we, we find ways to access that. Um, so so that's, that's some of it. And another area that, that Mark and I thought was really important uh, was this area around building knowledge for the coach. So as you know, on our training, people have 35 weeks of, of intensive learning around things like you know, the science of happiness or the science of success. Uh, ar around um, uh, improving cognition, around improving all, all these areas that, say, as biohackers, people might interact with. But we teach people not just the knowledge, but how to coach those. So not just how to tell people what to do, but how to bring them into uh, conversations with people at appropriate moments in ways that, um, that really get the learning to engage, to switch on with people and get them interested. Why that's important around all this knowledge stuff in the field of coaching is there's been a, a, a long-held, uh, um, I guess, uh, uh, a long-held uh, truism for certain people in the coaching profession that, that uh, actual co coaches just ask these great conversational skills and questions and they sit on the side and they never bring any knowledge to the client. You just say to them, well, how could you learn about that? And I mean, come on, this is just, that's just crap, you know, like I, I, I don't want to say it's crap because for people, I, I, even though I just did, but for some people, I understand why they feel that way because it's all too easy that we as humans just step in and tell people what to do. You know, we're conditioned into giving advice and to taking our knowledge to people um, uh, when we, we know we might have really great solutions for them. But, and why that, uh, has been a truism to not do that is because if you take that to people all too often, they, they say, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a great idea, but they just won't go for it because it's not delivered in the right way. It's not, it's, it's not engaging the person appropriately. It might, even, might, might not even be right for them or at least not right at this time. So what we do is we try and bring these two worlds together. And so the coach can hold the knowledge that they can bring it. We teach them to bring it in the way that's, that's going to land, that's going to engage the person, that's going to get their juice going for something and, uh, and, get, and get that engine of theirs going. So I guess they're all the kind of pieces that, that we're bringing that, that we also think is pretty uh, novel. Is, is I, I, I'm not really sure that anyone's doing this in, in a single piece in, in a coach training program. Uh, well, of course, the other thing is the mindfulness, which you mentioned that we, uh, I've been practicing for over 35 years and, and uh, in some form of meditation and uh, I've been teaching now for probably a decade uh, and it, it became clear that this, what we could think of as a skill of mindfulness is is something that if that's not present, if you don't have people's attention and awareness uh, appropriately trained and modulated, that um, we're not really able to pay attention. We're not really able to see what needs changing, to see where it's going wrong, to see how to recalibrate and move in a different way. So um, this pro this. Uh, this faculty of mindfulness, these trainings of mindfulness, we, we realized had to be built into the program as well so that we can help to turn on something uh, 
for our participants that then enables to engage with themselves, with the world, with the program, with their learning in a very, very different way. I, I couldn't, I couldn't be a, a larger fan of the mindfulness practices, right? That you guys have instilled upon us as, as students, right? Mm. So much so, Rod, that even if I just look at the way that, as you said, I, I became a change agent for myself. Right? I had been through various certifications, and I'm an avid reader, and right, I, like I said, a a tactician, right? I enjoy, I'm a student of life. I really enjoy everything that goes into to this craft. But in just the first even, oh gosh, four to six weeks of training at the most, right? We're going through our group training sessions and it's, it's very, the way that it has been constructed, right? In which we come together once every two weeks, essentially for a, a live call, right? It's, and, and everybody gets paired up and we learn the skills and we practice things. And it's, you know, there's such brilliance that gets shared and bestowed upon us. I started showing up differently for myself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, above and beyond everything else. Take, even if I decided at that moment, for whatever reason, that my internal guidance led me away from helping other people walk mm -hmm. through the seasons of life. I just felt better as a person, right? The, the, the I'll call them right, the emotional triggers that we might go through from, from right. a day-to-day -day basis. The, yeah. the person that cuts us off in traffic or right. the things that go, don't go the right way, they just they seem to just somewhat disappear for me by being more mindfully aware and present in every moment and feeling, right? It's as funny as that, you know, it, it, again, we're obviously both men. I, my father essentially taught me not to feel, right? And I'm not right. you know, attacking anybody, you know, <laughs> I love my father very much, but it just seemed like that was, right, that generation was, you know, keep the stiff upper lip and mind your P's and Q's and don't speak unless you're spoken to and really kind of the the opposite of what it would be to be in touch with your feelings and the presence of awareness of, you know, sitting in the seat of consciousness. And yeah. I share that all because if you're listening to this and you think, and this sounds fascinating, but I don't think I really want to be a coach. Mm. Brilliant. Don't, don't be a coach. The, this, this training has so much to just increase the way that you feel like instead of there's this, there's this opposite side and it's, it's fascinating for me in the group, you know, that, that I'm a part of, as we go into our breakout sessions, you know, asking the individuals, you know, how long have you been at this practice? And, you know, what are you here to, you know, just kind of getting to know the tribe, getting to know the community and having somebody say, I don't even know if I want to coach, right? This is just like the next step in my evolution of what I'm searching for. And this just spoke to me. And it's, it's brilliant to see both sides, right? Yeah. Where it's really fascinating just what you guys have been able to create and the knowledge that we get to be so fortunate to receive. Yeah, awesome, Ryan. And, and the thing is, isn't it true that, well, let me backtrack it. We have many, many people come in and say, I just want to do this for myself. Because, and, and the reality is, as we said right at the beginning, you will change. You will affect the world around you. You don't have to work as a professional coach, but the way you're able to interact with everyone around you, the way you're able to hold yourself with, with greater calm, with greater wisdom, with greater discernment, with greater steadiness is, is, is going to be phenomenal because we, we teach that. And, and I'd like to circle back to something you, you just started when you were talking about. Um, so what I heard, I can't, uh, I can't give you any verbatim rec um, recitation of what you said, but, but what I was hearing was... Um, there's a way that when we're able to be more present, when we're able to be more, um, more engaged, that, we, that, that uh, what we begin to have the opportunity to do is to respond in a different way. Because what happens for us is we've been kind of trained and conditioned our whole life, consciously and unconsciously. Like you said, your dad, my dad trained me to be like this, you know, and your, and your teachers trained you to be a certain way. And all of these things happened, or you just learned lessons um, in, a, in a way subconsciously. And they've been conditioned into us over our whole life. And what that means is that unless we're able to see this stuff, we're going to live reactively in life like that. You know, uh, someone pulls in front of me, I call, you asshole, you know, I'm going to, so this happens, I'm going to do that. And we're not even thinking about it. Sometimes we think about it afterwards and we think, oh, you know, why did I do that? Or maybe I should have said this. And, and what, what we're teaching in this, it comes through the mindfulness training and also through this quality we, 
we talk about as the responsive state from which we coach called presence, which is really just deep mindful presence. It's, it's this, but it allows us this opportunity to stop being trapped in the unconscious reactive mode and to make proper responses that help to shift the way we are in the world and the way the world is being uh, interacted with. So, so, and that seems small, but it's huge. I just want to offer, there was a, do you, do you know, um, uh, gosh, what's his, the, the father of uh, logotherapy, um, uh, um, created, he did a, a, a fanta fantastic book. His name's just on the tip of my tongue. And I know it's in here in my embodied wisdom and it'll come out. Um, but he, he wrote a book called the, uh, uh, the, the Making of Meaning, I think it was. Uh, and it was, uh, he wrote something around saying that between uh, stimulus and response, th there lies this opportunity. You know, so between something happening and when we, do, when we respond to it or we react to it, there's this moment of opportunity and that moment only exists if we're aware, if we're awake in that moment. Yeah. His name will come to me in one of these flashes for any moment now. <laughs> well, Rod, I, 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 I have a favor to ask of you as we went down this Please. mic. This path. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but I would, I would be honored if you would share with not only me, but the listeners going through, you know, a, a little mindfulness exercise, if that's possible. Sure. There's just there's something there, and I don't know that I can do it the justice that you can. So just where we are, just to call it out, we're, I'm just going to lead into this a, a little uh, informally, perhaps. And and so my 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 first invitation is to just allow your awareness to really consolidate around where you feel your body is. So just noticing how you can actually have the awareness, your your sense of uh, inner knowing really resting fully within the experience of your body. So all of the somatosensory uh, data. So by that, I mean the, the, the sense um, contact is felt in the body. So there's a way of just knowing how the body is a body. Without looking at it, you don't have to think about it. You can just feel into it. So turning on that, way of being in the body. You may want to actually allow the eyes even to gently close. Why that can be helpful, of course, is that for we humans, our visual field is very, very dominant. And when we do allow the eyes to close or just allow them to go into a very soft focus, bringing the awareness fully into the body, letting the awareness fill all the rooms of this home of a body, all at the same time, as though all the lights were being turned on at the same time. So just knowing what's here, sensing the feeling of pressure or contact wherever you're contacting the ground or the floor or the chair. So knowing that, sometimes feeling that allows us just to let go a little because we're not free floating, we're not falling. Somehow the, the embodied mind knows this is okay, I can just relax here. And then also the way the body, uh, seemingly of its own accord, but with some intention from us, is presenting upwards in gravity. So it's not just flopping down. Even if you're lying on the ground, there's a way the body feels somehow alive and awake and centered, shall we say. So it rises up from this grounded sense of contact with the floor, the earth. And there's a, an expression, like an inner knowing of wakefulness, of aliveness. Sometimes we call it an inner nobility in the posture. And these two um, planes, in a sense, of letting go, of being grounded, of a sense of inner ease, and also an inner wakefulness and aliveness. They seem to be in opposition, but somehow they can be in a sense of balance, all at the same time. So this is the first, uh, the first calibration that we aim for when we're coming into mindfulness, cultivating this experience we call mindfulness. And we just aim to, you know, re, 
re-attenuate between these experiences to keep ourselves in this sense of centered, easeful wakefulness. When the body's like that, we can notice the mind is a little more like that, a little more easeful, a little more centered, a little more in balance. And so just knowing how the mind is at the moment. Is it rushing away? Is there lots of thinking? Is it really relaxed? Is it feeling narrow? Is it feeling spacious? And just for now, uh, perhaps allowing yourself to let things just be as they are. When we come into meditation, we often bring this, this, uh, this rule book with us. And part of the rule book is that things should be just really quiet in here. And while that can be an outcome, actually this kind of practice is about being able to be with whatever's here in a way that's easeful, that's relaxed, that's allowing. Maybe just tuning in a little more intentionally now and allowing all of this other experience to sit to the background and tuning in a little more intentionally to the process of the breath coming and going from the body. So recognizing you have a superpower that can do that. Might not be perfect, but somehow you can bring the breath center stage and allow this other stuff to sit back. So don't underestimate that you can do this, even if it's you're having to do it again and again. At the moment, each time you recalibrate to that, you're strengthening your ability to do it. You're purposefully helping to rewire your internal neurology in a way that supports your ability to, to just rest with one experience, such as the breath, just knowing how it comes and goes, being really close to it, as close as you can, recognizing the whole shape of the breath as it comes and goes in the body. Knowing if you get called away to something that seems really interesting, just knowing where it is, that's cool. That's still meditating and mindfulness practice. You just know where you've gone and you just recognize how to, how to get back, come back with a, a sense of kindness. Just stay with the breath. Just knowing that actually the breath that's happening now for you this breath has never, ever been here before, and it's never going to be here again. So that can help us get really interested in each breath as it comes and goes. So it's just resting here for a couple of moments with this breath. Or perhaps just coming back again and again. Seeing if you can do so with a sense of ease and kindness and patience. Okay, so just opening the eyes. And just for a few moments now, just sensing what's a little different in how you might have been just a few minutes ago. Noticing the change in your in your inner environment, in the way the mind is functioning. Perhaps a little more awareness of how the mind is functioning. And in this little taster, uh, we can get a sense of what's possible if we decide to, to uh, continue with practices like this. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, th thank you, Rod. I mean, it's, it's always so refreshing to be able to, to dial back into that. Right, I have a, a saying that certainly is is not mine, but I'll I'll coin it as so in this moment that you know what what we resist will continue to persist. I love that saying. I really, yeah, I I really hold by that one as well. Yes, and so I, I find quite often that right the the negative energy, the things that we, the negative thoughts, the feedback loops that we we tend to adhere to based off past experiences. If we're not mindful and 
welcome them, right? One of the exercises just stuck with me forever is that softening of the stomach and internally yeah. smiling at the fact that something's right. here to teach us a lesson and then yeah. being able to shift perspective around right, what we want going forward and to feel the energy that surrounds really that desired outcome versus you know being trapped in the memory of what has been you know, create the emotional response of what we're in the process of achieving. And to do so from such a light place, from such a, a soft place, from such a welcoming place, mm-hmm. is really has, has created again a profound shift in, in my life and the way that I show up and mm-hmm. with my wife and our daughter and right the coworkers yeah. and people inside the office, but also wow. clients. And it's just the, those small incremental things that create yeah. this ripple effect of change that, as you made mention before getting to the mindfulness practice, it's those things that people I start to feel better and the people around me notice a change and there's you know walking maybe with my head a little taller and being more mindfully aware of how my breath is entering in and out and not even from the standpoint of having to focus on that consistently but it just becomes this passive operating system that shifts in and out between you know a a presence of awareness and Mm -hmm. that autonomic nervous system that's just running in the background but it's the new presence of what that breath really means is is always there now, right? It doesn't right. doesn't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it allows us to see the reality of situations, right? Because mm-hmm. also, the, I'm sure there's times when, you know, say something happens with your daughter or something goes on. It often happens with our primary partners, I find. You know, like your wife, it'll, it'll happen with more commonly um, or, or your husband or, your, or whatever it might be. Um, that, or just your boyfriend or girlfriend that, that, Somehow we seem to be in relationship with these people who seem to hit buttons that no one else can hit, you know, something really, you know, like it really, really hits the, this one in a big way. And, and if we're not mindful, if we're not able to really see really what's going on here, then we're firing off on that, on that autopilot again. And, and, and so often we, we end up doing it with both feet in our mouth, you know, like we, 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 it, we, we can really get it wrong. Because we're not, we're not responding to the reality of the situation. We're responding to some old conditioned, you know, family thing that may have happened years ago with mom or dad or who knows, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's one of those things that, right, as I have, right, just, just my belief system, if you will, and who knows if there's, there's clinical basis in this or not. But when I found where I've been more objective, the things that will say create a, a triggered emotional response inside of me the old me would have projected that it was something wrong with the other person. There you go. And the, the new me, it realizes that that's an opportunity for growth internally because in my view, we're all just mirrors of the same person, right? We're all, what's coming in and out of our awareness, the people that come into our sphere of influence are here to teach us a lesson and there's something here for us. And it's, oh, I'm, you know, like you said, those closest to us seem to be able to push those buttons the hardest. Uh-huh. But even if it's the you know, arbitrary person in the checkout line that seems to be right. not paying attention to their children the right, right way. It's like, well, why does that bother me so much? And what am I going to do about it? And yeah. where in my life have I not done that before? And how right. really just unpackaging this and having that be the operating system now instead of wanting to have that carnal response of getting frustrated with the person in front of me. Now it's a thing of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's all here for a lesson. It's all here for a gift. It's all here yeah. for, for a sense of beauty. I love how you're saying that it's all here for a gift. It's all here for a sense of beauty. Cause I love take it. That perspective is such a mastery mindset, right? Cause it's such a learning mindset because all of a sudden, all of these things are, are opportunities for us to go, huh, what's going on there? You know, what's, what's, what's really happening here? What's actually the, and what's the lesson in this for me? Yes. You know, not, what am I going to teach you or get, make you get it right? It's like, what can I learn out of this? Well, and this is where this becomes really fascinating to me, right? Because you look at some of the Ayurvedic type of training and some of the things that are interwoven into this. You look at some of the biohacking. You look at some of the, yeah. right, without stating it, right, psychology and some of the inner workings that go on there. Yeah. Right? There's this full package inside of HPI, right, the Human Potential Institute, that yeah. has all of these various components, and you get to pull from them from this new sense yeah. of wealth and knowledge, right? It's not just what, I, what I'm again, obviously I'm high. I, I, I really enjoy the, the yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's difficult for me, but right. We can, yeah. we can do any one individual modality of training, right? Like I can be the, yeah. the most phenomenal biohacking coach and I can, you know, learn everything there is about biohacking. And I 
back and mm-hmm. share that. And that's that's certainly important, right? There, there's ways to optimize energy production and all the trickle-down effects as to what that means. But you lose something, in my opinion, if you don't have access then to the higher sense of self or ancient principles that have governed all of us before maybe yeah. we realized they were being governed. Yeah, it, it's true, isn't it? And, and in many ways, um, particularly if we're looking at these ancient principles or ancient practices, there's been a real, real sort of rush when we've moved into the scientific age to, to start to discount that. And actually what we're seeing with a lot of science is they're kind of going, hang on a minute, this stuff, like this mindfulness stuff, this meditation, this is amazing. Or, and, and this is what we're starting to see with ancient practices. So you're right. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's bring it all together and use what works. Um, there's a, I, I'm currently working on our next level uh, coach training program as well, which is, is going on to the human potential coach training program. And is, uh, a program we're calling emergent coaching because it's it's uh what what we're deepening is these areas around say we could call them mindfulness or presence or ways of working with the body uh there's been a, a, a something else i i, I re- always wanted to bring into coaching uh or into some of these uh learning processes in the coach training was uh working in deep nature because again this is something that we as humans as long as we've been alive you know, we're of nature, you know, we, we belong to it. And when we go back into it and we really inhabit it uh, deeply, we realize that there's something very profound that we get in touch with and something very profound becomes available to us. <clears throat> so all of these areas uh, are now informing what we're, what I'm creating as, uh, as uh, the emergent coaching uh, next stage section for or our coaches and people who re- who really interested in going deep. Well, I, I and I love that. I mean, I love everything you're saying. Right? There's been this <laughs> this whole awakening for me, and and I'll, I'll show this very candidly. I, you know, say ex bodybuilder, right? In ex, right? Who knows what that means? But I was so concerned on creating the shield around self that wouldn't allow me to really get in touch with who I am, right? And I used uh, an overwhelming sense of muscle to create this little protective barrier versus finally getting deep inside of what was going on inside my mind. Mm. I slowly have broken those barriers, right? I'm, I know I'm still large in stature guys. We're sitting across from each other. I'm still, you know, 265 pounds, but I used to be 300 pounds, right? Like it's, yeah. it's coming down, you know, and, and even getting into, right, the energy transfer in what I put in my body, right? From, is it, you know, natural? Is it organic? Does it come from the earth? Is it, and, and not to get on the vegetarian or vegan or, you know, carnivore type of, conversation per se but mm-hmm. i do believe there's an energetic transfer if the i'll say the cow right we mm-hmm. uh, I, I am a meat eater i still enjoy you know red meat and mm-hmm. you know we go out and we pick out our our calf and we watch it get raised and it's an open pasture and we can go out and visit it and it's it's almost a blessing of the fact of look you're, you're going to provide sustenance for myself and my family for a long wow. period of time yeah make sure that calf is then you know killed unfortunately in the most humane way possible oh. right but, not that that shock and all of the you know the all the the responses that would go on inside an animal's body right during that slaughtering process yeah yeah and just how differently myself and my family feel eating that type of food versus right something that's you know maybe again more produced right i don't don't know how to say that in a way that i certainly don't care if i'm a little polarizing but there's just a there's just a different feel Mm. and then rod for me that that covered carried into I had such a lack of appreciation for beauty, right? I'm a mechanical engineer by degree and everything was very binary. Everything was, you know, <laughs> one or zero. <laughs> and uh, eventually tapping into nature and it, it took me uh, a little bit of work with psychedelics personally, right? And not putting yeah. that out there, but a, a little yeah, bit of, sure. a little bit of yeah. mushroom work and then yeah, yeah. a great relationship with the, the team down at Rhythmia in Costa Rica with uh, mm. ayahuasca, right? And really... Mm. Uh, beauty that comes from that and not the escapism of, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, going to quote unquote, get high, right? It's, it's a much different, you know, interconnected nature to self and then nature and mm. all the pieces come together that has just completely shifted. Like it, it's very fascinating to always paint by numbers going backwards, right? To see the, the steps and the progressions that we all have to go through to get to this moment in time. And that yet we all seem to get so nervous about not knowing how we're going to get to where we want to arrive to, but divinely we're we're chasing that immaterially so right it, it's right. Its own way shape and form but 
anytime if we were to look back five years previously, you know that many of us would have been able to, again, discern that we're going to end up in this moment just the way that we're here. Yeah. And being able to shift back and forth and take the scientific and the metaphysical, right? I'm a, a big believer in that. And then the energy transfer of food and nutrients and right, some of Dr. Mark's early work. I shouldn't say early work, right? But I mean, that's, you know, the gut brain connection and, and what all that looks like. And then diving into some of, uh, you know, Dr. Diadamo's work, reading for your blood type and really like putting all these pieces together is just a fascinating way to start for me to help make impact in people's lives, right? That it, maybe not so much of what I've learned in HPI, right? There's, there's some pieces and parts, but I just personally believe in a four dimensional reality across body being balance and business. And I believe you have to have some sort of component kind of running in the background at all times to incrementally level those areas up mm. or that there ends up being a deficiency and mm. deficiency might be the wrong term, but uh, Rod, in, in my experience, right? The A-type personality, the quote unquote producers of the world, we focus so heavily on business and right. I think we were both in that boat for a while. It's business, 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 business. Absolutely. And then you look back and it's, there's, you know, scorched earth behind you a little bit because Why? something that bucket became abundantly full, right? The water was overflowing, but by the nature of that, that would have to mean a few of the other buckets were near dry. Mm -hmm. Looking at like, how do we build all these up um, synchronistically in a way that honors you know, the godlike version of self, honors your, your, your highest belief in self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I was just sitting there with this sense of, you know, it's so great to hear this picture of this bigger growing picture of, of you and and your your kind of heartfelt philosophy on life i guess i'm i'm hearing that but, mm -hmm. but there's a recognition that despite all of this um this stuff this this you know i've done this and i was this bodybuilder and then i and then i i i did this engineering and you have a lot of knowledge and and clearly what we might call success on one level in life there's this bigger thing that we all sense and and often you know, it's that that gets drowned out when we enter too much into this kind of chase for success, at least what I found, you know, that I was so engaged with that. It was suddenly I got a slap in the face one day and went, what the hell is going on here? You know, is this how it's going to be for the, you know, this is not feeding me. There's a big part of me that, you know, yeah, you could have the house, the car, the, you know, the, 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 the holidays and all, all of this stuff, but What's it going to be like? Am I going to feel when I'm on that deathbed if that's that if a moment like that comes where I get to reflect? This was a life well lived. You know, this was the life I I, I would have spent these precious years wisely. Um, and uh, it's I, I'm kind of hearing within all that you're saying some kind of reflection of that yourself. You know that there's a, and thank God it happens not when you're on the deathbed. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. You're 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 speaking, you know, directly to my heart. Like this is. Exactly what I believe in in my internal internal you know like what what makes a coach a coach to me and right it's in from the way that I view it and again not casting dispersions on anyone that doesn't view this the same way but it's it's not our job to necessarily facilitate change but there's people that are energetically seeking that next yeah. uh, you know whether it's heightened sense of awareness whether it's connectedness to something greater whether it's right because I, I can't help but look at you know we base level Maslow's hierarchy of needs and what that looks like and seeing there's some actual science basis around where you might be at there and then why sometimes that we we build and burn and then our businesses and our bodies or things like that because some of our base levels aren't really inherently met and then yeah. what happens once we meet those levels and there yeah. there's a there's a call to actualization there's a call to something greater there's a call to deepen your understanding and then to me once you start to tap into that heightened sense of understanding it's almost feels like a, a compelling nature to share that with others because there has to be inherently others also searching for the same thing. And right. That brings me into that collective consciousness conversation, right? right. Like there, there's a greater force at work that I mean, whether we want to get into the deities of, you know, God or whatever the religious yeah. you know, beliefs or biases we could all have, there's still something greater that we have to, in my opinion, honor that we're here for something Right, much, much greater. We we existed yeah. before the human form, right? I, I believe we're spiritual beings having a human experience versus the other way around, right? And we, we come in and we get this little window, right? This little sliver. We're, we're incredibly fortunate where, you know, Dave wants to live to 130 or whatever it is, right? Maybe, maybe we get 130, 140 years here. If we're incredibly lucky. But what about all the before and what about all the after? 
What about the energy yeah. transfers that happen, i.e. what I'm hearing you say, yeah. pouring it forward, right? And like sharing, yeah. sharing so openly and, and yeah. walking people through this path. And so the word that's coming up for me here is, is legacy. Um, but I think it's even bigger than that. It's, it's that we were talking about this before we came into the, into the recording a little bit as well. And I hope it's okay to kind of to open that up, but it's this thing about, um, it's great that we address the self and, and our needs and that has to be done first because, because you've got nothing to help anyone else with if you, if you haven't taken care of what's at home. So I'm, I'm a big believer in that, that we, we, we need to be working our own uh, step, our own program, our own, um, our own development, our own learning. Uh, but for me, and for certainly many, many people I work with, that the, the next step is, then, then what is this bigger thing? You know, what is it that, that we start to look around us and we start to see, man, th there's a lot, of, a lot of people suffering out here. There's a lot of people really in a lot of pain, even though they think they, they're kind of, they're not, suddenly they, the people who come to me for coaching will often come for one thing, like, oh, I'd just like to, uh, I'd like to change my job. I'd like to get, uh, increase my salary. I'd like to be able to exercise more, or uh, I'm not sure if my marriage is working out. You know, there can be all sorts of things like that. But, but the, the bigger picture that's going on for them is, is this big story that you and I are talking about, you know, the, the loss of connection to something deeper, something that's we might call spiritual that's calling to them something. Uh, and then also um, how we might um, help that uh, be different in the world around us, how, how we might help uh, heal that, might I say, in the world around us. And, and one thing you were asking me about at the beginning is, you know, is there, a, is there something that's, a, that's a, a big theme for you at the moment, shall I say? And that big theme for me is this, is uh, really where I am in my development and ha having had the, the incredible good fortune of changing myself and changing my position and working with other people and then working with lots of people through the training programs I've had the chance to develop and, 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 uh, and design and, and then help implement has also been looking at this bigger picture of the world in a way, you know, not saying that I'm kind of a controller of the world, but, but what does it mean when I help change one life? Because I have no idea what that life might change. And, 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 and that's something I'm really holding as very precious. When I look at the nature of where we are in humanity, that, you know, that we, and I don't want to get divisive about this because it becomes very political, I realize, in America, which is not outside of America. But when we talk about climate, when we talk about the nature of the world, when we talk about the level of divisiveness that I see, and it's not just in America, this is in my home country of Australia, it's in Europe, it's everywhere, that, that what I'm really holding in the, in the work, uh, if I can get the biggest picture of the work that I'm in, engaged in, is how, how can we help heal this? You know, what is the little thing I can do even today, whether it's this conversation or whether it's the way I interact with the woman who, who serves me at the bank or, or the person who, 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 who I interact with in, 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 in the supermarket or the dude who cuts in front of me in, in, on the 27 as I'm driving downtown. Um, what can I bring to all of this and to the training programs that might help um, this situation we seem to be in, in humanity at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But what, what, what do you get to, I mean, right. I, I'm fascinated, right. I, again, I, who knows how there's, there's no time limit to this conversation, Rod. Yeah. So, yeah. That's right. We can roll. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just been fascinated for the past probably two or three years in different psychologists and their teachings and things like that. So I've been on this, mm. this Wilbur kick for quite some time and I'm not, not sure if you're familiar with his work, but there's, he's progressed along something called spiral dynamics and the fact of oh. there's heightened levels of awareness for all of us, but not only individuals, but also communities and tribes and states and right. Everything has its own ecosystem. And mm. the studying that he's done, it's, you know, he roughly estimates somewhere between three and 5% of the populace globally has this self-actualized view of 
what goes on. And when I say that, right, then, then we look at the check down, if you will, of different senses of awareness. And you see that the majority of, you know, unfortunately, as you're listening, and this is not to attack you as you're listening, but if this sounds very foreign, right, you look at 50 plus percent of the population would still be fully adherent to the bipartisan type of methodology because that's familiar that's safe that's yeah, yeah. that's what it has to be you have to have a definition of something because without definition of self the ego gets all nervous and all of a sudden it's but the elimination of definition and i.e then eliminating the bipartisan type of conversation actually allows there to be that you know unified growth towards the greatest good yeah. but also to have a heightened sense of understanding of what could be right yeah. I, again i this is certainly not a politically charged show in any capacity, right? I don't care what, yeah. what, what you believe in across the board. It's just, yeah. I care about human evolution and how do we yeah. have sustained, not only sustained place to live, but sustained life and sustained conversations and how do all these things progress? Yeah. And it becomes frustrating and inspiring for me at the same time, right? Because let's assume that there is, just round up and say 10% of the global populace, right? That means there's 90% of the people that if we could help them walk through various stages of life to have them slowly ascend up this, you know, hierarchical sense of self, yeah. eventually we get to the point of it clicks, right? And it's like, wow, there's this whole other, and I'm, again, I, I'm not saying that I'm the most enlightened individual. I still am on my own path of self-development and personal mastery, but I started looking here and it's, it's really fascinating to me, right? Of like, why is it that there's some people that, perhaps you or I interact with where we feel not stuck with, right? But they're, they're not able to quite understand yeah. maybe some of our, our viewpoints. And it's our job as coaches, of course, to figure out how to ask the right questions and, and weave in and out of conversations to allow them to access their own sense of what could be. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's, um, and I, I go on this whole, whole tangent, right? Of the, the scientific side of things, the metaphysical side of things, the spiritual side of things, the evidence-based side of things. And it's like, yeah. And you and I were talking about this before before we started. It's just, yeah, yeah. how do we have there be a change globally that just keeps the earth around? Right. As funny as that sounds, like it, it's a real, it's a real yeah, yeah. fear right now, yeah. right? We're, we're we're cannibalizing the one place that we get to live right now. Yeah, yeah. We're destroying it. Yeah. It. it and I really, I, I love uh, hearing hearing your um, perspective on this as well. And that there, there are, a, it is to me about awareness. It's about being committing to th this ability to see things as they really are, not as we'd like them to be, not as we think they are, uh, because we're all bound up in our our, um, our conceptual biases. And 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 I'm not saying that other should do this and i and i don't need to i mean all of us need to step out of our biases and uh but if we can start from a place that we can all agree on that we all want to live that we all want to live well that we all want to be happy we all want to be healthy we want to be safe you know we want to have a sense of ease in our lives and and comfort that always seems to me a really good starting ground for all of us and uh, as a way to um, come together to a place where we don't have to argue about these things. You know, we, these are all universals for every one of us as humans. And then maybe we can start to build a consensus from there and a way of operating that, that does take care of this precious planet that we have. And, and all those of us who have the incredible good fortune to be alive on it. So, um, you know, this is why the, that, part of the, the emergent program was to go back into nature. And, and my, uh, um, my, I've always loved being in nature from when I was a boy scout out in Australia. And, you know, wonder we have a lot of bush out there. And, but I did a, I did a vision quest up in uh, Canada about eight years ago and soloed for three days out in the wilderness up there. And, and there was something uh, very ayahuasca like in some ways about that experience. Of, of just chanting and hanging out and dancing and talking to the chipmunks and the crows and being visited by the wildlife and the, that something changes for us. Oh, so absolutely. That way. I, I think one of the most impactful things that I encourage you as you're listening, but everyone to do is take time to take your shoes off 
go out and you know we'll, we'll say the sense of grounding because again it has to have a definition but essentially return to source go, go step outside into nature like feel the grass beneath yeah. your feet. i mean really get into the the biohacking in my opinion is really just a reversal of everything we've done to make our lives more efficient right like the, the blue light blocking glasses that i had on prior to the show and well it's because we're not really supposed to have blue light you know our our bodies have not evolved at the same rate in which science has evolved for us. And so, you know, something like grounding and going out and walking in nature and, and feeling the earth beneath your feet and sitting next to a tree for a little while. And if that's where you meditate, like to, to say in your day that you can't find 10 minutes, I would challenge you to alter that belief system because right. the amount of power, clarity, production, whatever the reasons are in which you say you can't go do that, they become, once you go do that, you see that you can actually produce at a higher level, that you have more, you know, I'll call it divine intervention or more sense of self, or you can listen to, you know, your subconscious or your gut response. And life just becomes easier, mm -hmm. right? But it's that adherence to breaking the patterns that have been instilled on us since before we got to decide what patterns we wanted to have, which is mm -hmm. an incredibly difficult thing for most of us, right? Mm -hmm. The tribalism that has existed and wanting to adhere to our mother and father and the group of people around us, like, and so you leave the safety of that, right? It's our, our bodies love safety. Like we're wired for safety. The, the fight or flight response is a real thing. So tigers don't eat us, right? Like there's, yeah, yeah. there's some things there and it's, um, you know, the, the smallest things of just going out and spending time in nature, as you said, is, has a profound impact and it's a compounding effect as well, right? You, yeah. you might not have to go on a, you know, a, a three day sabbatical or a, you know, a, a seven day silent meditation retreat, but to go out and spend just 10 or 15 minutes in nature every day is beautiful. Right? There's yeah, so yeah. many gifts there to find. Yeah. If anyone wants a deeper experience, we have a retreat in uh, just under two weeks time. We're, we're in uh, North Georgia. We run a three and a half day uh, nature-based program within our, our program, which is actually part of our emergent coaching program, but it can be, anyone can come, you know, and that, that's why we take people out into, and we, we, we um, fast track, this way of connecting uh, with nature and, and really letting this big version of you come out, something different. People come away from this really changed. Rod, where could somebody find more information? I'll put it in the show notes as well. So if you can't write this down, I'll, I'll get to it. But where, where could they find information on that? Yeah, they, if they, uh, they could just go to the website, which is www.humanpotentialinstitute.com or they could just email us at uh would it be um support at humanpotentialinstitute.com that would be uh, another way to get in touch with us and we Brilliant. can we can connect them with any info beautiful beautiful i, I love that but, uh, love the fact that nature is becoming more and more of a part of the training right and yeah yeah that, that that deeper right the, the evolution of of what can be right just super needed yep. for that and there's also Right, some some other training coming out as well that taps into right some of the the physicality side of things and right having yeah. an emotional response and you know I, I forget yeah. the proper I don't want to you know do a disservice of of not <laughs> it but there's there's something that you guys have created that's going to come out is it September now yeah that's the emergent coaching program okay that's this thing called the emergent coaching which is uh we have a human potential coach training program and that get that will give people enough units with the international coach federation to get their entry level uh coaching credentialing which is called the acc associate certified coach and then the the next stage the emergent coaching program is designed to then follow on from that and that takes people up to what we would call the uh, professionally certified coach so the pcc level and uh that would be we have a, a, a pro, if people haven't trained as coaches with us, but they have already uh, completed a coach training program and they're certified coaches, or even if they've just completed a coach training program, the uh, emergent program would be great for them. The, we, we're not teaching, as you know, we teach this thing called the arc of the coaching conversation. So we spend a lot of time doing that in the, uh, in the human potential pro program. And so we're taking that as a given that people understand that. That's why people would need to have some coaching skill to come into the emergent program, but it's, uh, it's going to be a great program. It's, I, I, I'm 
always happy to talk more about it, but we'll, we'll be revealing that in September. Mm-hmm. And then October, I'll be uh, I'm up presenting at a, a leadership conference in Phoenix for the ICF. And uh, we're going to be talking about that a whole lot more there for the through uh, releasing it as a general program into the leadership and professional coaching community. Uh, so beautiful. I'm, I'm so excited to, to learn more about that and knowing myself probably go through it as well, right? I, I can't, hey. <laughs> there's more information, more knowledge to have. I'm, I'm very hungry for it. So it's, uh, I'm glad that there's going to be a continued progression in what awesome. I'm able to learn through HPI. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Ryan. I'd love to have you on, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and Rod, I, I don't want to you know, bring this to too much of an abrupt conclusion, but if, if there was something for you to share with the listener right now, so a gift that you wanted them to take away from something that would change their life, what would you encourage them or what could you ask, you know, give them as a takeaway? You know, I've had this um, little quotation from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, who's, uh, I'm not sure I got that name right, but he's the, he wrote a book called The Little Prince. I don't know if you ever heard of that book. It's a fascinating book. He was a World War I fighter race who crashed in the desert in North Africa and had this, uh, these extraordinary experiences of meeting this uh, so-called alien being who, who he met and he traveled to different planets with him and then came back and wrote a book about his adventures. And it's called The Little Prince. And he has this saying where he said, says, you know, when the heart speaks, the mind finds it indecent to object. And in some ways that speaks to um, what we try and bring alive, uh, that, that even though your mind, you know, the conscious mind might be making up these stories about how things are or what should be right and what shouldn't be, shouldn't be right, and all the shouldn'ts and the should be's and the rule book, that somehow there's a, a way inside that you know this to be different. And I'm not saying either is perfect and either is right, but it's this tension between them and the way of coming to what's truly best for you, for the world, for those around you that we seek to address. So when your heart's speaking, maybe it's indecent for the mind to object on this. What a profound way to end the conversation. And I, I'm so honored to get to spend this, this time and space with you outside Likewise. of the coaching protocol. And it's just, it's, it's truly been an honor. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate it and looking forward to our journey together. Yes, as am I. Thanks again. Thanks, mate.